Good morning. Today is Tuesday, May 3rd, 2022. This week's Torah portion, the Parsha of Kedoshim, begins with these words. God spoke to Moshe the following words. Daber el koladas b'nei Yisrael. Speak to the entire congregation of Israel. Speak to every man, woman, and child. V'amarta lehem and say to them, Kedoshim tihiu, be holy. Ki kadosh ani Hashem elokechem. Because I, Hashem, your God, because I am holy, you should be holy. What does it mean to be holy? So there are many answers to that question. But allow me this morning to elaborate on one of those answers that I think is not so well misunderstood. And I think that we can deepen our appreciation of this particular understanding of being kadosh, being holy. Rashi says, Hevu perushim, restrain yourselves. Hold yourselves back from certain things. All of the restraints of the Torah, all of the restrictions, all of the limitations that the Torah gives us create holiness. Our rabbis tell us that God, so to speak, as if God says, Kishem Shani Parush, just as I, God says, restrain myself. Kachatem tiyu prushim. You too should restrain yourselves, should hold yourselves back. How does that work? Rabbi Jonathan Sachs explains, based on a concept that we have discussed before together, that God's act of creation, and in fact every act of creation, requires in order for it to begin Tzimtzum, pulling back, retraction, self-effacement. Rabbi Sachs writes, God's creation of the world involves concealment, right? hiding oneself, pulling back. The word olam, universe, is connected to the word ne'elam, hidden. To give mankind some of God's own creative powers, the use of language, to be able to understand, imagination, to be able for us to create ourselves. God must do more than just create human beings. God must efface himself, tzimtzum, contract himself to create space for human action. No single act more profoundly indicates the love and generosity implicit in creation. God, as we encounter him in the Torah, is like a parent who knows that the parent must hold back, let go, refrain from intervening if the parent's child is to become responsible and mature. There's a great book that I recommend to you highly, written by Wendy Mogel, titled The Blessing of a Skinned Knee. It's a great work. And she starts her discussion, which is about parenting, but it's a little wider than that, 
with a passage in the Talmud that says parents have the obligation to teach their children three things. Number one, a Jewish parent has the obligation to teach their child Torah. That makes sense. Number two, a parent has the obligation to teach their child or to ensure that their child learns a way to support themselves, a profession. That makes sense. Child has to grow up to support themselves. And number three, says the Talmud, a parent is required to make sure that their child learns how to swim. How to swim? There's a mitzvah to teach your children or to have them taught how to swim. Why? Why can't a parent just say, I don't live near water? Why should my child have to learn how to swim if I don't live near any water? Or, even if I live near water, I'll keep my child away from the water. My child will never need to learn how to swim. Or, a parent might say, even if I take my child into the water, I'll carry my child. I'll make sure that my child is okay in the water. And yet the Talmud says, I'm required to teach my child to swim. And the point that Wendy Mogul makes is what our rabbis are teaching us with this mitzvah is that I am required to teach my child how to make their way in the world when I'm not there to protect them, when I'm not there to protect them. And that means necessarily that I have to allow my child to make mistakes, to sometimes, again, depending on the context, depending on the child, to hurt themselves, to be able to learn how to take care of themselves. I have to account for the possibility that no matter what I can do to protect my child from water, there will come a point where my child will need to know how to swim to save his or her life. And therefore, I've got to teach them that. I can't just envelop my child their whole life. And that requires a certain letting go. Many of us have had the opportunity to teach our children to ride a two-wheel bicycle. It's an incredible experience. Perhaps more frightening to the parent than it is to the child. So you have a child on a two-wheel bike. And at first, you're running alongside, you're holding on, and the genuine put, you know, pedal and pedal and steer. And, and, and then there comes a point where, where you've got to let go. Because if you don't let go, the child will never, ever learn how to ride a bike. But when you let go, there is the chance that the child will fall and get a skinned knee. But there is a blessing in the skinned knee. Okay, I have a suggestion that I use myself on my four children, and that is teach your child how to ride a bike on grass. <laughs> so you're not on concrete, not in the street. Okay, so if you, well, the first few times you fall down, okay, so you're falling on the grass. But the point is, if you're not willing to allow your child to have a skinned knee and to learn from that experience, then your child will never grow up. That's symptom. That's holding yourself back in order for your child to grow. Now, of course, it depends on the child. 
It depends on the context. It depends on the parent. Some children are more independent, less independent. Some parents are more hovering, less hovering. Of course, it depends on the circumstance. There certainly could be a situation where, of course, a parent has to rush in and, and, and take over and take charge to protect. Of course. But the blessing of a skinned knee is this idea. If I always do the homework for my child, they will get great grades, but they will never learn anything. If I always step in when my child is having a problem with a friend, they may be popular, but they'll never learn how to negotiate and to navigate social relationships. The most important thing that a person must do for a child is to practice tzimtzum, when to pull back. Yes, I recognize there many times it's a, it's a gray area and, and we make mistakes in one side or the other. Yes, I understand that. But that's exactly what God does in creating us and what we have to do for any kind of creation that we are to do. The holy, writes Rabbi Sachs, is that point where the presence of God is encountered by tzimtzum on the part of us, where we pull ourselves back in order to make space for God. God makes space for us by his self-limitation, his tzimtzum, and we make space for God by our acts of self-limitation, self-renunciation. He and we pull back for each other. And when we pull back, we create holiness. For example, the universe was created, we learn at the beginning of Beratius, the universe was created in six days. Yet creation itself involved seven days. The seventh day is declared by God to be holy, kadosh. Shabbos is holy, meaning that for all time for us, Shabbos becomes the window through which we see the presence of God. Well, how do we do that? We do that on Shabbos by renouncing our own status as creators. On Shabbos, all malacha, which means creative activity, is prohibited to us. We restrain ourselves from being creators. On Shabbos, we are passive, not active. We become creations, not creators. We renounce making in order to experience ourselves as made by God. Shabbos is the room we make for God. And that is what makes it holy. And holiness can be achieved, and we should strive to achieve it, in every sphere of life. Holiness is the space we make for the otherness of God. And it is also, holiness is also the space that we make for each other. By listening 
and not speaking, by being and not doing, by allowing ourselves to be acted on rather than acting, by disengaging rather than imposing ourselves on others. All holiness is a form of renunciation. But this is critical because God does not ask for, does not want total renunciation. Sometimes we should speak. Sometimes we should act. Sometimes we should impose. Sometimes we should intercede. Sometimes are holy. Other times are not as holy. Some places are holy. Some places are not as holy. Some people are holy. Some people are not as holy. What makes the Jewish people unique is that we are part of a holy nation, meaning a nation all of whose members are summoned to holiness at the right time and in the right place and within the correct context. Throughout our Parsha of Kedoshim, which we will read this Shabbos, we are given numerous mitzvos, each one of which is an opportunity for our own tzimtzum to pull back, to make room for God and to make room for others, to withhold from dishonoring parents, to put someone else's needs before my own needs. To be silent in the face of the urge to speak negatively. To not take advantage of our own power, the power that we have, or an ability that we have to overcome someone who lacks that power or who lacks that ability. To treat others well at our own expense. To not take for ourselves what we think is rightfully ours, to reduce the honor showed to us in order to enhance the honor of someone else, to withhold from ourselves certain relationships. All of these and more are examples of moments, places of self-renunciation, to make space for another and to make space for God. And that is when we achieve Kedoshim Tihiyu. Be holy. My friends, I want to wish you a great day. And I look forward to seeing all of you soon in person.